In an announcement made Monday afternoon, San Diego police said they would no longer allow the carotid restraint. This technique is similar to a chokehold, meant to quickly make a person unconscious. If done incorrectly, this action can cause bodily harm and death. The Union Tribune found last year that SDPD used this technique disproportionately on black people. Now, in wake of national protest following the death of George Floyd by police, this move appears to be a step toward more police accountability. Today is Tuesday, June 2nd. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. To understand what this move means, we have two reporters on today. Lindsay Winkley, you're a watchdog reporter who has previously written about this issue, and Terry Figueroa, you covered the news yesterday. Let's start with an understanding of the technique itself. What is it and how is it used, Lindsay? Sure. So the carotid restraint, also called the blood choke um, or a stranglehold, uh, is a move that actually puts pressure on your two carotid arteries, which go kind of right here. Um, And by cutting off blood flow to those arteries, um, a person falls unconscious. And generally speaking, um, officers will use kind of the crook of their elbow by putting pressure with the forearm and the bicep kind of right around like this. Um, And uh, when done correctly, uh, somebody will fall unconscious in seven seconds. Mm -hmm. And what exactly led SDPD to change its policy, Terry? Well, the short answer is um, what happened in Minnesota with with the death of of George Floyd. Um, After that happened, San Diego Police Chief Dave Nislet said that he really, you know, started to really think about this and stopped and and, and took stock. And he realized that people, um, you know, would see that as a death via a neck restraint. And this is something, this, the carotid restraint is something that, um, uh, critics and activists have been pushing to end for a long time. And he said he, he really started to think about it. And he, he talked to his command staff early last week. This George Floyd died on Monday, May 25th. Um, and within a day, he started, uh, Chief Nislet started talking to his command staff about changing this. By the end of the week, he reached out to San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner and they decided to make the change and they announced it Monday. Mm-hmm. And what was the situation like before, Lindsay? Because your previous reporting discovered some racial disparities. Yeah. Um, San Diego Police Department, as it turns out, uses this move very often. Um, I have some notes here, and I'm just going to pull this up. But between 2013 and 2018, which is when our analysis, um, what the years that our analysis was looking at, uh, San Diego police officers applied the move 574 times. Um, so this was not something that the department was only using occasionally. And we found uh, in our uh, analysis that uh, just over 25% of those occasions uh, was used on a black resident in San Diego County. Um, I'm sorry, the city of San Diego. Um, and as we know, the population of San Diego black residents hovers around 6%. Um, so that's a lot higher than the, the population of the city. Um, and uh, it was definitely one of our more interesting and kind of more disturbing findings. Mm-hmm. And what do we know about how dangerous this move is? Yeah, so I will say that uh, that very much depends on who you ask. Um, when I looked at this issue last year, uh, however, I spoke to a couple of uh, different doctors. Um, one of the doctors actually has been working with community members and activists in San Diego 
to try and get this move banned. Um, he's been a big part of that. And his name is uh, Dr. William Smock. And uh, Dr. Smock essentially has been studying all variety of strangulation for a really long time. Um, and one of the things that he said is that uh, it, it placed incorrectly on the human body, it is uh, easier than you think to cause a rupture in the carotid artery, uh, to cause a tear, which can lead to blood clots forming that then move to the brain and cause stroke and death. Um, and this is something that he has pushed on um, in a number of different environments. Uh, that being said, there are other doctors that um, speak to how often the move is used with very little repercussion. Um, and so, uh, as we said, in the 2013 to 2015 cases, hundreds and hundreds of uses, uh, the San Diego Police Department said that in no, in none of those instances uh, was uh, serious was a serious injury suffered, um, and none resulted in death. Um, so you know, there's a, a little bit of a split there in the medical community. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is what San Diego Police is doing. What about other departments in the region? Are they on board? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, right as San Diego Police was making, uh, they were making this announcement, I reached out to the Sheriff's Department and they said that they are not planning on, on making any changes, even though yesterday um, County Board Supervisor Nathan Fletcher sent a letter saying, hey, SDPD just made this change. Will you guys consider making it too? Um, and when I talked to the Sheriff's Department yesterday, forgive me, I'm looking at my notes. I was told that in uh, just last year alone, Sheriff's deputies used the neck restraint for 66 times out of more than 4,000 use of force incidents. They do keep track of this because it is considered a use of force. Um, but they, they said that they do review their all of their use of force techniques. Um, and and they are, there's two large agencies, policing agencies in San Diego. It's the San Diego Police and San Diego Sheriff's Department. And so they actually provide policing for nine cities in this region, as well as all the incorporated areas. And they said that, that they have no um, plans right now to to pull back on that. They still permit it and they still teach it. Mm -hmm. I will say just to kind of tack on to that, that it should be noted that um, many large police agencies across the country have already banned this move. So I'm going to just look at my notes here really quickly. Um, 12 departments of the 25 largest police agencies in the country, uh, 12 departments prohibit the carotid restraint or at the very least reserve it for situations in which lethal force is justified. Uh, five agencies, which included or included past tense, uh, San Diego, and then six others were uh, a, a little unclear on their policy. So it's not unheard of um, and, uh, and it's certainly not a strange decision for a law enforcement agency of a, of a larger size to choose not to use this for safety purposes or safety reasons. Mm -hmm. And also uh, speaking somewhat generally over this past week, what is the police department's and the sheriff's uh, department's response to all of the criticism and protests happening here and across the country? I mean, uh, I, I think that I think that we have gotten a lot of calls for peace, um, peaceful protesting from not just the police department, but from city officials. Um, I think that, you know, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh, support for this concept of, of peaceful protesting. That being said, I feel like there's also been a lot of criticism um, towards the police department specifically um, for some actions that people feel have been um, 
uh, have been forceful during largely peaceful protests. Um, I think we heard that a lot on Sunday, especially during the downtown protest. Um, we had, you know, city politicians who were saying, you know, I think that we need to ensure that we're doing everything that we can to de-escalate the situation without using methods like tear gas, rubber bullets, um, flashbangs, which uh, could lead to kind of ratcheting up the tension. Um, so I think it's been a little bit of a, of a mixed reaction. Mm -hmm. Certainly yesterday we spoke to Kate Morrissey who described the tit for tat we saw on Broadway on Sunday and that did seem like things were escalating at a rate that made both sides quite uncomfortable. Yeah, I was actually in the middle of that too. And yes, it, it did. I can tell you, flashbangs are very loud. Um, it does. It sends the crowd running. But then when they return, there's a little bit of an emboldened sense there too. Um, so it definitely makes everything more tense and it ratchets thing up, things up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also speaking a little bit more broadly, in uh, the work that both of you have been doing for a number of years, what are some of the recurring criticisms or things that community leaders have been calling on these two departments to change? Like looking at San Diego police and the San Diego police department over the past decade, what are the biggest kind of points of concerns from people who say they're being over-policed? Yeah, I mean, I can definitely say that we have seen a consistent call for de-escalation training. Um, lots of community members want to make sure that police departments are doing everything they possibly can um, to make sure that that is an ingrained and first initial response from police officers. Um, so that's something that I think we've seen for a long time. We continue to hear calls for that. Um, I think something else that um, we've heard consistently is um, individuals calling for uh, police officers and police departments to do implicit bias training. Um, to be familiar with the um, the latent biases that we all have, especially amongst law enforcement agencies, um, and to explore those um, to kind of better understand how those affect um, the, the policing process. Um, I think another one is, um, I think, just more training on procedural justice, um, which is just a series of, uh, of ways to make sure that when the police are interacting with community members, that community members feel seen, respected, um, treated well. Um, so, I mean, those are the first ones at the top of my head that I think we've seen a lot of. And well, there, there's another one too, the uh, the independent um, policing commission. There's been um, a big call for that too, sort of an outside um, agency, a community run uh, agency that, that has real power, real teeth, subpoena power, um, that, that gets a chance to look at some of these incidents that we're talking about. In fact, there's a, um, that's on the ballot for the fall in San Diego and uh, yesterday in announcing his support for, I mean, his, uh, the uh, ending of the use of the carotid restraint, uh, Mayor Faulkner did say he does support this uh, independent commission on the outside. Mm -hmm. That raises a good point. Uh, what is the current status quo for police accountability when someone uses use of force that you know ends up being deadly or someone says they're being targeted? How can people air grievances? Yeah, so anybody can file a complaint, uh, either through the actual police department or um, through the city's uh, uh, kind of community advisory board. There's a group of individuals um, who are uh, volunteers who are responsible for investigating complaints, certain complaints that are made against uh, police officers. But as Terry said before, um, 
without getting too into the details, this board is a review model, which means that they don't do any of their own investigation into the allegations that are uh, that a particular officer is facing. All they're doing is reading what the police department has already uh, established during their investigation uh, to ensure that the investigation was good enough, essentially. Um, but, you know, that particular body of a volunteers has been um, criticized for quite some time for just not having enough flexibility to do their own investigation. Um, and also, uh, we did a, kind of another story looking deeply in, at that particular body of people. Um, and, it, you know, they very rarely uh, disagree with kind of the, the police officer's findings, which some people um, say is kind of a, of a good example that there maybe isn't enough necessarily being done um, uh, independently from the police department. Mm -hmm. And are there any more kind of specific changes that activists are asking for, given, you know, how things have changed so much in this past week? I mean, in response to these protests, I think that I think that we're seeing calls for uh, a lot of the things that we've seen calls for for a really long time. Um, you know, I, I think even specifically right now uh, at the city council meeting at San Diego, I mean, people are asking for instead of additional funding being moved to the San Diego Police Department, have funding that moves towards places that support individuals in low income communities or communities of color. I think that people are really looking, though, um, to uh, for, for true accountability and true transparency. Um, and I think that a lot of individuals who work in this particular city feel like um, there's a lot of kind of a lip service on that front, but not as much tangible evidence that the uh, that the uh, communications that the police department is receiving from the community are not just heard, but then are then digested and implemented uh, in a way that makes the community feel like they are a part of shaping policing in the city. And I think that's what people have been asking for for a really long time. And so on that front, I think that the, this decision um, is a really big one. Um, because this is a way for the police department to say, not only do we hear you, um, but we're going to take your advice and we're going to start policing you in a way that you want to be policed. Um, and it's interesting. I'm just I'm going to read this because I thought that it was really fascinating when I when I was doing this research. But um, when when I was looking into this and kind of saying like, OK, like how do people feel about the carotid restraint, like on a on a grand scale? Right. Like how are individuals? Um, how are the national consensus policy and use of force, you know, talking about this move? But I found this really interesting thing. When the Department of Justice Office of Community Policing Services reviewed the San Francisco Police Department's use of force policies in 2016, um, it said that the carotid restraint should be limited to lethal force situations, partly because of how difficult it is to train. But more than that, they said because the community doesn't want you to use it, that it's, it's not worth it. The community doesn't want you to use this, and it's difficult to train all these things, but you have to listen to them. They are a part of this, and if they don't want it so badly, then we advise that you don't use it anymore. Mm -hmm. Certainly underpinning all of these protests nationwide, it seems that that agreement that you know, a society agrees to be policed in certain in a certain way is kind of dissolving, and that's kind of underpinning a lot of the frustration we're seeing from coast to coast. And for both of you, as this develops, are there any questions that you hope that either the San Diego Police or the Sheriff's Department will answer in the coming weeks when it comes to response to these protests? Like kind of what are some things that you hope 
we have a better understanding of, you know, two, three weeks from now? I mean, I think that, I think that it'll be interesting in the aftermath, um, how willing the department is to take a close look at kind of the way that they chose to respond to some of these largely peaceful protests. Um, I do think that departments across the country are going to need to look at how um, they may have contributed to some of the responses that I think we've seen during these demonstrations. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they're willing to have that conversation um, after this is settled down. Mm -hmm. And for you, Terry? One of the things that, that we were actually just talking about this morning um, was what is the policy for uh, an unlawful assembly? Because, for example, last night in San Diego, uh, there were there were protests and 16 people. Well, there were 17 arrests total, one for vandalism, but 16 others were for unlawful assembly. And we're sort of wondering what exactly does that entail? What what when does it become an unlawful assembly? So we're still even trying to figure out those those basics to so that people understand what it is that, that we're dealing with right now. Mm -hmm. Certainly. All right. Lindsay Winkley, Terry Figueroa. Thank you both so much. Thank you. In other news. The San Diego County Board of Supervisors voted Tuesday to ask the state for local control to accelerate its economic reopening, to encourage cities to consider expanding beach access and parking, and to extend a moratorium on evictions amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Supervisors agreed to include the request safe reopening plans for various types of businesses and public health metrics for COVID-19 infections in the county that would trigger retightening of restrictions on business operations. The vote also authorized the city to notify cities of the county's support for cities to consider allowing full beach access and reopening parking lots. As of Tuesday, sunbathing and sitting on the beach was allowed to resume in the county if individual jurisdictions agreed, but beach parking lots were to remain closed. The county's public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, told supervisors at the meeting Tuesday that the two biggest hospital groups, Scripps and Mercy, have had and continue to have reservations about an accelerated reopening based on concerns, including whether the hospitals had enough personal protective equipment to handle a surge of COVID-19 hospitalizations. Wooten also said that county officials were listening to and communicating with the hospitals. In a separate unanimous vote on Tuesday, supervisors approved extending through June 30th a moratorium on evictions of residential and business tenants affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. We want to remind you that information is your first line of defense. The San Diego Union-Tribune is dedicated to bringing you the latest news in print, online, and on our podcasts. Also, a new episode of Name Drop San Diego is now up. It features Sleepy Somaya Gouda, an international best-selling author of three books, Secret Daughter, The Golden Sun, and The Shape of Family. On August 29th, she'll be part of the San Diego Festival of Books. Until next time.